0: Welcome to the Business Diaries podcast, where we uncover the stories that shaped the business owner. Brought to you by Lisa Settle and Isla O'Hara.
1: Welcome to the Business Diaries podcast. My name is Lisa Settle.
0: And my name is Isla
1: O'Hara. And we'll be your hosts for today. The Business Diaries in the past has been a quarterly storytelling event where business owners come together to share their stories on a given theme. As you can imagine, all the stories have been extremely inspiring, not to mention amusing and quite often very moving. The podcast was designed to catch up with the business owner and delve into their story a little deeper. However, since
0: lockdown, we've been doing things a little bit differently. Isla, can you fill us in on the new format? Well, we've taken the opportunity to embrace technology. And like many others, we're embracing the power of Zoom. And we're catching up with some of our former storytellers and asking them to reshare their story. And then Lisa and I delve in with some of those questions that I know we are really keen to ask. And we also have an opportunity to talk about their subsequent journey. So today we have great pleasure in welcoming multi-potentialite Deborah Turner. Deborah has two very different businesses, a property consultancy and an image consultancy. As a property consultant, she focuses on strategic estate management advice for local authorities and business development and project management for private clients. With U image consultancy, she specializes in personal branding and works with individuals who need to raise their visibility and stand out from the crowd. As if running two businesses wasn't enough, Deborah is National Policy Lead for Women in Business for the Federation of Small Business, and is also the Kent Area Lead. She is also co-founder of Breakthrough Women, a not-for-profit organisation celebrating women in business. Welcome, Debs. Thank you. Thanks so much for asking me to come along.
1: Oh, well, we're really grateful to you for joining us. I know how busy you are. Um, you, you came along to one of the very first events back in 2017, one of the Business Diaries Live events. Um, and it took me until sort of March 2018 to talk you into sharing a story. Uh, we're very pleased that we did. The theme that night was turning over a new leaf. So I'm really pleased to be able to hear it again. Uh, are you ready to, to let us hand over to you?
2: Yes, indeed. I remember it took you so long because I was uh, pretty nervous about doing these, um, <laughs> the, the diaries. But actually, it was a fairly enjoyable experience at the time. So I'm hoping oh, I'm that it comes across it. <laughs> as well today.
1: <laughs> Brilliant. Well, we're looking forward to hearing it. Fire away.
2: So it was the whole kind of turning over a new leaf that uh, attracted me, I think, to saying yes, because sometimes turning over a new leaf is actually the defining moment when you you decide to start your business or certainly to reflect on why you got to start that business and um, really take that new path. But of course, my story had to start with, with me, which was the, one of the things that I was quite nervous about. So I was born in Medway um, in the 1970s. I was born in the house that uh, my mum still lives in. And that in itself, being born in Medway, was the defining start. I was the youngest of four and a very definite mistake, as they called it back in the day. Um, My nearest sibling is, is and still is eight years older than me, whereas the other three are very close in age. So this, of course, meant that I was sort of fitted into the older kids routine where possible, which meant that my first school was where my sister was currently being educated, which was a convent in Sittingbourne. So she was finishing her education. And of course, I started my education. And it was the starting of that school that made me realise that I was a little bit different from some of my classmates. And it was a realisation that I was standing out in that crowd of kids in the playground and I was getting noticed, but not in a positive way. Suddenly being different felt really uncomfortable and being noticed wasn't a good experience. I was basically desperate to not be noticed. Different was not a good experience in the 70s in Medway. So, of course, what that meant was I suddenly had this mission be like everybody else I wanted to look like everyone else I wanted to act like everybody else sound like everybody else so it was basically trying to detract from looking different and you'd hope that the one thing that would make you fit in with everybody else would be of course you know your school uniform that's the one chance that most people get to to blend in but unfortunately for me that wasn't quite the case going to this convent school my particular uniform just made me even more of a bit of a target. My uniform was chocolate brown. So here we had of course this um this brown girl standing out in Medway that suddenly had to wear a brown tunic and a brown felt hat, brown shoes and even brown knickers I mean who was ever going to see the flipping knickers but they had to be brown and of course you know back in the day how did you have to get to school you know you had to go on public transport you didn't never got dropped off by your parents and so of course traveling on a bus from Medway to Sittingbourne kids are picking up on every detail so it wasn't even just at the playground it was even just getting to school that became a bit of a drama about getting noticed and then, suddenly, once we were at school, and then you put your coat and your hat and on the pegs at the school, then suddenly there became this other aspect to me standing out because i hadn 't really tagged the two together, but my surname you all know me as Deborah Turner, but my surname before I got married was Brown. It was the post version. Because it does have an E at the end. So of course, all of a sudden we have this brown girl in a brown uniform called Brown. So I think, you know, we all know what kids are like. And I think crikey some of the kids who uh, were at school who perhaps in the past have been picked on for being shall we say on the chubby side suddenly saw me as kind of a ray of sunshine they were like yes she's going to be the one that today we're going to uh, you know have a little dig at shall, shall we say so it, it was kind of a little bit of a tricky time standing out it was that whole how am I going to fit in And I'd sort of started to make some allies with some kids, you know, talking to them about the things that, you know, as kids do, all the things that you start to like. But all of a sudden, at seven, my sister finished her education. And so there was no way that I could then go to this school on the bus, on my own, on the train, on my own. So having just started to make some friends and started to fit in, got yanked out of that school put into a medway school oh crikey if I thought sitting born was bad um yes medway was just that little bit tougher shall we say so of course it had to start all over again but the one saving grace was no brown uniform it was gray so I thought phew thank goodness one saving grace here until of course mum being mum they want you to kind of have the best of the best um decided that because I was at a new school and I needed some new friends she'd enroll me in One of those popular groups from the 70s, the Brownies. So here we are again. Um, It's hilarious now when I look back at um, kind of, I suppose, how they were thinking. But for me, it was another brown uniform, another brown hat, another hall full of girls who looked really different to me. And, of course, the timing couldn't have been worse for me, starting, um, starting at the Brownies. It was, of course, the age of that wonderful group, Boney M, and of course, there you know that top tune, "Brown Girl in the Ring," and brownies thought it was an amazing little activity to get one of you in the middle of the circle carrying out an activity. But of course, for me, that was just kind of the I could not have picked a worse activity. So I had this huge dread. I couldn't have just been more mortified. So of course, that was again just another one of those things where you think. I just don't want to stand out. I don't want to be that brown girl in the ring. So all my energy was spent about trying to dress like everybody else. And what it meant was it's such a shame really when you think of it but you know you have I'd go to school and have school dinners and um, you know not once would I ever choose kind of the curry that was on the menu for fear that people would be like oh well you know you that's probably the only thing that you actually like Um, and so yeah it was just kind of that whole wanting to fit in went out of my way wore clothes that probably weren't didn't really suit me but because everyone else was wearing them and all I wanted to do was was be like everyone else I wore my hair the same dressed the same spoke the same that stayed with me of course the lovely medway accent but that's part of me now so that's okay (laughs) but of course what it meant was this behavior of fitting in and trying to blend in continued into my working life and I started my working life as a trainee surveyor for some reason, hadn't really thought it through. I think the appeal of being able to go outside and, um, you know, look at buildings overweighed any other thought of how I was going to kind of succeed in that workplace. What I realised quite quickly when I started work was that only 2% of surveyors were women and actually even less of them were women of colour, shall we say, so when I started my job I was the only brown person in my department and actually I later discovered I mean now it's you know, it, 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 when you hear of these stories now it's it's tragic but the only reason that I actually got the interview was because my name didn't give away the fact that um, I looked quite different from everyone else in that department at the time. But actually you know once I was there I was determined to succeed. I was determined to um To be known for, for doing good work. But, of course, my focus was still very much I wanted to fit in. So to blend in, of course, what I had to do was act like one of the boys. So and I had to stay under the radar to not get noticed for, again, the wrong reasons. I didn't want to attract the fact that I looked very different from everybody else. But I got the job done. But by getting the job done, but still hiding the real me, because I just wanted to do a good job, I didn't kind of want to put my head above the parapet, because I was fearful that I would, again, be targeted for the wrong reasons. So um, I, you know, I I worked my way through sort of different experience of of surveying. And one of the areas that I became an expert in, really, was about um, compensation and where So we, you know, people know now about high speed one and high speed two. So this was an area that I specialised in, in terms of road building. And I would have to go to people's houses or their businesses and say, well, you know, we're taking your land and buildings from you because we want to build a a road through it. So. It it was a strange specialism for someone who actually didn't like conflict and who didn't really want to, um, you know, stand, who didn't want to stand out. I wanted to fit in for doing the good job, but actually it was quite a different role. So it was actually on working on one of these cases that I had my real defining moment, my real turning over a new leaf, because I was basically buying um, a corner shop in Gillingham for what was at the time called the Gillingham Northern Link Road. Many of you know it as the access road into the Medway Tunnel. And I'd agreed the terms on which the county council would be buying this shop. And of course, it was a real sad um, occasion for that family. It was their whole life. Not only did they own the shop for which they're living and their whole uh, wages came from, but they lived upstairs in the shop in, in really quite cramped conditions. You know, their home and their business was being taken from them. And it was it was in a poor condition, this property. You know, they, they, they barely had, um, you know, enough income from that property to, to look after the shop, leave alone to maintain the living accommodation. So on the day of completion, when we would actually be taking the keys from this family, I had to go inspect the property and wait for the other side uh, surveyor to meet me there and for the demolition contractor to literally take those keys and literally start knocking this this um this property down so I carried out my inspection I took all the photos I needed to and thankfully I allowed that family to to be able to leave without having that real sad occasion of of seeing kind of a bulldozer as it were taking the first brick out so there I was waiting on my own for um these contractors to turn up And I hadn't, again, I just hadn't given any thought. There I was with my professional, you know, experienced hat on, knowing that I'd done a great job for this this family, but equally for the local authority. And, of course, the first comment that these chaps made to me from the minute they turned up was, oh, so is this your dad's shop, love? They'd made this immediate assumption that because it was an Asian corner shop that I couldn't possibly be the surveyor in charge of this quite important negotiation and scheme. And it was that single comment, really, that was the and it was the culmination of all those many comments over the years um, that that snap judgment made me decide then that I should not be hiding. I couldn't hide. I had to refuse to blend in and to stop hiding the real me. And it was literally that day that I turned over that new leaf. It really made me turn a new page. And I made a positive change to my behaviour and my attitude, which is why I'm really passionate about encouraging everybody to be themselves, to stand out, to actually embrace your differences, celebrate your differences, and really to get noticed for the right reasons, you know, to be visible, stand out so that you are taken seriously and you're not overlooked. As a kid, many of us were told, you know, that you need to be seen but not heard. That was kind of a behaviour pattern that um, back in the day uh, parents got told. But I realised that day and my whole assumption around business is very much that you need to be seen and you need to be heard. Thank you so much, Deborah, for sharing that story.
0: Wow, so, so powerful. And you've given us so much to think about. I can't wait to dive into the discussion. Lisa, I can feel you're practically bursting too. Yeah, I mean, not just about turning over a new leaf, but what a story of resilience,
1: Debs. Um, I, I remember it, obviously, from the, from the live event, but um, some of those points I had forgotten. Uh, I, I hadn't realised... And just one of the sentences you said that really, really I kind of made an impact was the fact that you would avoid choosing a curry for lunch. Um, that's it's, Yes, it was funny and
2: it made me giggle, but actually, <laughs> equally, it's really sad too. Um, uh, absolutely. When I think back now to how, you know, my parents must have kind of felt that I was kind of just almost you know, ignoring the culture that I'm now really proud of. But at the time, it was like, oh, crikey, no. Mm. Mm.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. There's so, so many things there that, yes, it was a funny story, but actually it's, yeah, quite sad. And I'm, I'm so pleased that you've, we've had the opportunity to share it again. Now, Isla referred to you as a multi-potentialite. So for those that are wondering, can you explain to us what, what do you mean by that?
2: Yeah, I mean, basically, it means that, uh, well, for me, I mean, I can mean, you know, I think a lot of people have a different view of it, but for me, it means that um, I can be an expert in more than one thing and still be regarded as experienced and um, enough of an expert in both fields to be taken seriously. I think sometimes in business, what we find is that if people kind of swap from one thing to another, that um, you sort of think, oh, well, you know, have they really got a serious business? But for me, I'm, you know, I'm passionate, I'm a passionate surveyor. And I know that, you know, for women in surveying and, and, and black women in surveying, if, it, if we don't stand up and get noticed, you know, we're not going to encourage that next generation. But equally, what, you know, my experience taught me is that I need to be able to encourage people to stand out and be visible, which is why I trained to be an image consultant as well. So I know that for both, I'm passionate about both those things. And so for me, it's important to be able to recognise that I can be good at both of them and I can help people with either hat on. And that's really why I wanted to kind of use that term to make sure that I'm not kind of dismissed by only being only having kind of one business.
1: Sure. That's a great description.
2: It is. One of the
0: comments that you, that you said that really stood out for me was the fact that you consciously redefined your attitude towards yourself and, and you demonstrate that stepping out of the shadows and, and everything that you've achieved in your story from, from being a child right through to everything that you're involved with today has made such a difference. And, and that you talk, you know, self-esteem and confidence play such a huge part. In stepping forward and and finding our voice. And I know you do a lot of work with with young people. So share a little bit about the work that you're doing with school leavers as they, it's hard for them, particularly at this time now, stepping out into the world of work.
2: Yeah absolutely it is and you know you only have to you just kind of have that fear don't you of people who are uh, kids who are at that stage who you know in the past perhaps have been a bit fearful and not confident enough but actually to have had the year they've had um, you know with exam results and the uncertainty must be just such a huge worry but yeah so what we've been doing so the Federation of Small Businesses run a program called Skills 3030 and what we do is, is we take students who are at that um, decision-making process of shall I go to university, shall I start my own business, shall I get a job, shall I get an apprenticeship and what we do is we kind of almost give them that gap of what to expect in the workplace. So I speak to them and I do a training session with them about how to make sure that they represent themselves in the best way in the workplace and what really to expect from the world of work. So it's very much about you know, taking pride in their appearance and and making sure that they recognise that they are of value in the workplace. You know, they're not just going to be regarded as someone who can make the tea. But they've got a lot to offer, but obviously sometimes that they're very reticent to, again, stand up and get noticed. And it's very much about how we help them to build that confidence and to make sure that um, they show that all that, that kind of, talent that they've got and that enthusiasm that they've got in the way that they represent themselves and that could be you know in their cv writing in their interview skills and that's what we've been really helping them with is to make sure that they get across you know straight away that that first impression they make is really the best one that they can yeah and
1: confidence at that level is is it's really a big a big thing isn't it I, i think that as you get older You think, oh, well, this is what I look like. Or you 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 kind of sort of take it on board and it's not a massive issue. But at at 17, 16, 17, that's kind of one of the the things that they're thinking about all the time. What do people think about me? How do I look? Um, And again, going back to your story, everybody wants to fit in. Everybody wants to be the same. They all dress the same, um,
2: the majority. Um, just because they that that's a place of safety yeah they feel more comfortable if they think that they you know they look like everybody else
1: yeah yeah so I've, I've I've got a couple of questions as well but sort of moving on you've you've been incredibly supportive of women in business over the years as well and obviously your role within the FSB has has sort of obviously focused on that so I've got two questions one is sort of winding back to your story where you were not wanting to stand out and then all, all of a sudden you had that sort of moment where you think hang on a minute um do you how do you see others maybe or you come across how, do you recognize them is what i want to say actually do you recognize others that who are standing in the shadows and and don't want to speak out does that make you want to encourage them and say come on come on you know you've got to turn over a new leaf um, and the other question, and I'll let you answer them both at once. The other question is a bit more current and relates to the pandemic. And I'm wondering how has COVID affected women in business?
2: Yeah, both both brilliant questions. So so firstly, yes, uh, in terms of the women that I'm meeting. So with our Breakthrough Women event, even, for example, we've got women who are coming along to that. And it is targeted at sort of um, maybe junior level um, who perhaps need a mentor or just haven't kind of quite got the confidence yet to ask for help ask for that step up to that Mm. next level and you know seeing women who you know are just not reaching their full potential because either fear is holding them back or they believe you know there's this kind of perceived um attitude that if they hold their hand up and say actually I'd like to do that or I uh, you know I do want to move forward that they're almost kind of going to be quashed or and I think sometimes there, there has been in the past a perception that some successful women in, in larger organizations so I don't think kind of it, it's the same in the um, entrepreneur community but that it's almost well you know they've got there on their own merit and they expect other women to do the same and they won't kind of give them that real kind of pull up but, you know, I'm seeing that change more and more. And I think the more that women talk to each other, the more that women at work, you know, encourage each other and provide that supportive environment. I think, you know, the world is, is slowly changing on that front. So, yeah, I mean, it is frustrating when you see, you know, that um, perhaps women are still hiding and not really standing out. And that's one thing I'd really encourage any woman, whether at work or an entrepreneur, to just celebrate anything that you're, you know, any small win. It really is uh-huh. about, you know, we're always quite reticent, I think, to um, or re- we're quite reluctant to sort of say me, me, me or I've done this. I've achieved this. Whereas, um, you know, traditionally, you know, guys are, are quite good at that. And we should, you know, again, just sort of aspire to just shout about some of the great stuff that we do so that other women see that it, that's OK. It's not about bragging.
1: Mm.
2: and it's all I think we're always really really busy aren't we so we don't even think about it but
1: if you ever look back through your diary and look over the year you think oh my goodness yeah I did that and actually I was really scared about that or I was really concerned about that but I managed that I did that and I did you know and and that's a lovely little exercise to do um just looking back over your year over the month over the week um really I would encourage anyone to do that because that always gives me a, a, a bit of a high at the end of the week yeah. I think you know that that's actually reflecting
2: on your achievements is yeah that? it's a brilliant tool a really brilliant tool mm. and then yeah you're sorry your second question about um COVID was yeah been...
1: how, how how has that affected women in business have
2: you noticed any change Yeah, I uh, definitely and and certainly from the FSB's perspective. So we've done a little bit of uh, done a few surveys, a bit of research around uh, what we're finding, and of course there is it has been unfortunately this disproportionate um, caring role that Mm. women in business have taken on, and I think it's been more of a challenge because we haven't had those usual childcare assistance that we would have had be that grandparents be that um you know paid for nursery so as a result and of course the caring um role as well for if you've been having to you know people who've been shielding if 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 someone's needed assistance it has based on our research been women in business that have taken on that role so as a result what's happened is their productivity has reduced and what we're seeing is that the likelihood of businesses failing if they're um, women-led is high because they've actually not been able to do that normal area of growth they haven't been able to do those activities Mm. that would normally support them um, through tough times because they've had to they've had to take on those caring responsibilities but in addition you know what we've what we've also seen of course is that um, women are more likely to have had the lower paid jobs the lower paid roles that um, key workers have had so they've less they've been less likely to be able to work from home as it were and so as a result again they haven't had um, they haven't had the opportunity shall we say to um, you know to refocus or to explore new opportunities that other people have had and interestingly when we spoke to kind of some large corporates um that the what we found was that 47 percent of um employees who lost their job sorry 40 percent of the companies that we spoke to um said that uh, they had found that they had furloughed more women than men so oh. it, it, it's yeah it's it's interesting isn't it that um and that, and they couldn't they couldn't pinpoint the the reason and, I, and again I think that's all to do with the, the way that we collected the statistics but when they when they looked and reflected on their figures that is what they found that um those positions uh, had more likely been furloughed had been women
1: mm.
2: and you said to me
1: earlier as well that obviously the um i'm just trying to think what you said to me you were saying about the policy making and normally how the government go into making setting up the policies there's the equality
2: yeah they have to do um, an equality assessment when making yeah, kind of it. A, you know yeah uh new policies and of course because covid struck and they had to react so quickly which the, you know it was good what they did was brilliant but of course what they didn't do was that equality assessment so some of the policies that were were put in place in terms of furlough and key workers um yeah basically disproportionately affected women and they're only now discovering that which is you know rightly that they're now addressed starting to try and address it yeah um yeah. But of course you know though, a lot of those policies have already been in place and we've been working with them for the last four or five months Right.
0: Yeah, as part of your work, you know, leading on from that, as part of your work as national policy lead for women in business, an element of that uh, is working with um, working on on diversity. And I know you've been working with Gemma uh, Fairclough Haynes on an awareness
2: campaign. You
0: yeah, that's a bit right. About that?
2: Yeah, exactly. So, so basically, what what we've been working on is overall diversity. So we know that gender is a massive issue, and interestingly, pre-COVID, you know, we had started to see a little bit of change. So in terms of representation on boards, um, we'd seen the figure go up. In terms of um, women starting businesses, we'd started to see um, a little bit of an increase. Unfortunately, with COVID, the prediction is that um, women on boards is definitely kind of flatlined, and actually, where some women have left, they haven't been replaced by women, and women starting businesses has actually, during, the, um, during that period, has, has dropped again. So we want to be able to start to encourage and the good work that we started to do pre-COVID. We want to see that uh, return to those similar levels. But the other focus that, we, that FSB kind of had already started to look at pre-COVID, because we'd started to see some success on the gender front, uh, was, was certainly around diversity and inclusivity. And, of course, you know, when you're, when you're looking at that as a portfolio, you know, we're certainly looking at accessibility. We are looking at LGBT+. Plus. But for us, a focus in Kent, because you've got to kind of, in some ways, identify what you where you think you can make um, the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to focus on the BAME community, because one we knew that we had business owners who perhaps weren't getting the support that they needed, we were already starting to hear this feedback. And I know that, um, you know, Gemma fairclough you know, once she works in employment law, so she sees this kind of discrimination on a, you know, on a, on a workplace environment. So uh, she was keen to help and engage with the FSB in terms of starting to take forward and how we, as a business community, can support and actually make some change. And so Gemma is leading us on that. We've had a roundtable discussion in terms of what we as a business community can do and and one key thing that you know be interesting really for all of us as business owners to, to start to think about is extending your network because often as we all know you know people buy from people and and as a result of your network the likelihood is that your customers or if you recruit or if you have a supplier you'll look to your immediate network and often because of You know, uh, the way that we've kind of engaged or started our business might have been with the help of friends or with the help of our um, family or our very immediate community. And if you look at your network and you, you kind of picture your network, the likelihood is that that community, your network probably looks and sounds quite similar to yourself. And if you think that when you're coming at a business perspective, what you want is to increase your customer base. You want to increase the um, economic effect on your business. And one way to do that is to widen your scope. So if you were just to kind of widen your network to think about who you can approach, who doesn't look like you then immediately you're you're increasing the economic activity of your business by increasing your customer base. And so this was one of the things that that came out of the first round table that we've had is how we can encourage um, businesses that, you know, perhaps have been traditionally kind of, you know, white male led or, you know, white female led to widen their their, you know widen their scope really, and start to think about how can we make our network look much more representative of the communities that we live in that's
1: brilliant I, I love that I think that yeah, the, yeah it's really good good um, good tip there. I, th- I think the pandemic has really opened our eyes to lots of things um, but particularly obviously because of tragic events sort of dealing with racial injustice. Um, during COVID um, I think more people seem to be listening and feeling ready to be to be educated more informed so who would you say Deb you know who are the educators who should we be looking at the leaders or who should we be listening to um, in, in as far as you're concerned who have you discovered?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, the great thing for all of us is that we can all continue to educate ourselves, particularly if you've had that prick of conscience, be that because you haven't got enough kind of women in your uh, network. If you're a guy or, or, or equally reverse that, if you, if you know you're a woman in business and you know, perhaps you're not engaging with as many men as perhaps you wanted to. But more importantly, I think with the Black Lives Matter Uh, Movement and it is a movement, and that's what's great about it because people are actually no longer being passive; they're taking action. And Uh so, one kind of report that I certainly engaged with and um, you know started to follow on social media. She's called Rennie Edo-Lodge. She's a journalist and she's written a a brilliant book. Originally it was a blog and then she got so much engagement, it kind of went viral that that she's uh, written a book and it's called Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. And the the key kind of message from that is that um, it was almost that every conversation she was almost kind of having to justify um, why she felt differently or why she felt that um, an explanation was required, whereas you know really what we're talking about from a business community is, you know, look at it as business, look at it as, as economy. So, you know, talk to people about the things that you know about, be that the weather, the COVID, you know, pets, and naturally what will happen is, you know, you will have those conversations. So it's 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 almost about making inclusivity part of your everyday business strategy, as opposed to specifically thinking, oh crikey, well, I need to, you know, talk to that person and, and quiz them as to why they think they're different or you know what's different for their world. And that's what's one of the key messages. And i, I don't anybody it's a really quick read as well but it's from an educational piece in terms of wanting to kind of add diversity or inclusivity to your business it's a really good one Mm. and then I think on the whole kind of you know we all love a kind of um a kind of celebrity type role model or you know someone that we kind of could almost feel that it's um that it's reachable you know Michelle Obama I mean, one, the book that she wrote um, when publicized last year, uh, uh, brilliant in every respect from a personal perspective, from a business perspective, but also the messages that she's consistently putting out to help, you know, women, black women, um, you know, at, at, and everybody wanting to achieve. So I think, yeah, she's a she's a great person to follow, and, and you can kind of see her messages on um, on social media. She's she's got some she's got some great content and she shares some great content. Mm. Yes, yes she does. Both great suggestions,
0: Deborah. Thank you. I'm just thinking and reflecting on our, our conversation uh, our conversation today. And and I think a key takeaway for me is, is about the importance of storytelling in the sense of looking back over the experiences of our lives, because they shape who we are. And then when we share our story, or, you know, no matter what has happened to us, because our story and the sharing of our story can be so inspirational to so many other people that we almost have a responsibility to get out there and, and share our story and to make sure that we're seen and, you know, that we are visible and that we're seen and heard. Because our opinions, you know, our opinions do matter. Our stories matter. Absolutely, definitely. Storytelling plays an
1: impact, important role in in anything, doesn't it? It's whether it be injustice, um, confidence. When you think of all the stories we've heard on the Business Diaries or at yeah. the Business Diaries, the live events, stories that we'd not even imagined. Yeah. Um, yeah, d- definitely. I wish and, I... and, it's
2: and 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 they're a great leveler that's the point isn't it you know hearing someone else's story whether it's good bad you know it it just completely it it helps you to relate to that person and to someone else's experience and and you're all you I mean we're always always learning something but I just think it's it's incredible when you know what what how people have achieved what they've achieved and what they've come through it's every day you're sort of fascinated by people and their stories yeah, Absolutely. and they're
1: always so very inspirational. So, yeah. you know, another thing that, I mean, Isla and I haven't discussed this, but I'm sure she'll be on my side when I say, Debs, if there's any way the business days can help with people being seen, starting a conversation, et cetera, et cetera, and any of the things that we discussed today, we're, we're more than willing to
2: to do what we can. So please well, bear us in keep, mind. Yeah, but I think keep doing what you're doing. That's the, that's the point. It is, you're giving people a platform uh, to, one, tell their story, but to be visible. And, and so you're doing a fabulous job, just keep doing it. <laughs> oh, bless you. Thank 100%. you. Well, that's what we hope to do. Yeah.
1: Um, I think that your story, to, for me, the takeaway that today is, well, there's lots of them actually, but, you know, I think that it, it highlights how you can really turn things around from going, not want, you know, from going from hiding away to not wanting to be visible to realizing that hang on a minute i'm not going to be walked over it's time i had a voice and deb's you've certainly stepped up <laughs> uh, big time and in doing so so many people particularly women i think have benefited so thank you for that we really appreciate what you do um yeah, makes very me a little much bit
0: so. Emotional. Yeah, um, well, can you keep
2: on doing it, please? <laughs> um, yes, I hope to. That's the point. Yeah, I hope
0: to. Well, Deborah, tell us um, a little bit about your next project. What are you working on?
2: So we'll um, with FSB, as we touched on with um, what we're doing with Gemma in the BAME community, yeah. and what what we're also doing. What I'm doing with my national role for Women in Business is we are trying to expand nationally what we've achieved in kent and kent businesses have been so supportive in terms of women in business events and you know having women who are willing you know like both yourselves to stand up and say yeah this is my story this is kind of what i've been able to achieve so that we can really inspire that younger generation so that they believe that they can be an entrepreneur or or you know they can run their own business so what we're basically doing on a national level is creating some round tables, sort of, basically across the country so in the fsb there are 12 regions and we know so for example kent london we know the southwest is really active in terms of women in business but there are lots of rural communities who of course don't have access to this they almost don't have access to um, people that look different to them or um that you know kind of don't have a different experience when we say to people expand your network they're like well actually i live in a really small rural community but i'm not able to do that i can't i don't know what you know I I don't know what I don't know Um, so yes well on a a national basis what we're doing is we're creating we're rolling out this kind of round table platform and obviously with the technology that we now are all using as opposed to me having to jump on a train uh, you know we can now do that obviously online so it's really important that we focus on both women in business and uh, the BAME community and what we really want is feedback from people to know what is it they need and support are they what what do they need in terms of support to grow and to you know make sure that we as an economy continue to grow and you know make entrepreneurship achievable for anybody who wants it. That, uh, that sounds such
0: a valuable initiative. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, definitely what we need. And you know, everyone listening out there today, look at your network. Go and look at your network, and you know, talking more, listening more, just bringing about more awareness you know all these small acts could could lead to big steps towards the change that's needed
0: yeah I'm proactively looking to see how we can expand uh, expand our network as well absolutely Deborah how can people find out more um, about
2: the work that you're doing and uh, and the FSB I guess What, what how can they get in touch with you yeah, so basically, FSB's national website has got um, loads of information. We've got a sp- specific COVID nineteen uh, business assistance area, which is which is brilliant. It's updated kind of well, daily. It was it was kind of every two hours, obviously, um, when, when uh, the pandemic first started. But that's kind of where there's some really useful information in terms of business assistance. But um, FSB Kent, we're running some specific events over the over the autumn. Focused around reshaping your business, and that obviously includes diversity. So, I'd encourage people to go to the FSB's website, have a look at FSB Kent events, and of course, there are lots of events that are uh, because they're being run online, we're not kind of tied into having to do um, Kent based events, and obviously. Tell me what you need. What do you need to assist your your business to grow? If you want to be a role model, we're all role models. It's about making sure that you celebrate that fact and get out there. So do send me an email. You can get me on my um, image consultancy email address, which is you at youimageconsultancy.co.uk or uh, on my FSB address, which is deborah.turner at fsb.org.uk follow me on any of the social media platforms and you know as i say follow the fsb we've got fsb women on on twitter and um, on facebook and that's really where we're kind of posting some important messages and i use linkedin probably as my main platform for delivering business messages about how you can get involved be it for women in business or for the bame community
0: brilliant brilliant
1: thank you so much I think that we're going to have to say um, that's, that's it for today, although we could go on for, well, I was going to say hours and hours, but I think weeks and weeks, really. But <laughs> anyway, we won't because we probably wouldn't have a listener that would be that determined. But um, thank you so much, uh,
2: Debs. we know oh, happy you are. Thank you, you both. Are. It was lovely. It was so lovely chatting to you again and to, um, to say, share
1: again. Yeah, we're really honoured that you you could share some time with us today. So thank you, thanks Isla for being a super co-host as always, and to Paul Cheese for our fantastic jingle and editing.
0: Isla, where can people catch up with us? People can catch up with us through our Facebook page and on Twitter at the Business Diaries at the Biz Diaries B I Z, and we are bringing you more podcasts. So please be sure to subscribe to us on your favourite podcast app brilliant okay so
1: enormous thanks go to you the listener for tuning in we hope you enjoyed the discussion and that you'll join us for our next podcast bye for now
0: bye-bye bye we hope you have enjoyed listening to this edition of the business diaries we would love to hear your feedback please find us on twitter and facebook at the biz diaries